0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, Fantasy Players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood Friday, July 20th, let's cock-a-doodle do it, this is Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network, I am your host, Dane Martinez, they call me Speeds the Spittin' Statistician, and as usual, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle, Scotty, it's a Friday, summertime Friday, casual Fridays, maybe a half day for people going into work. Uh, feeling good about the weekend. How you feeling, Scotty? I'm
1: feeling like I exhaled. You know, I finally finished editing uh, the most comprehensive article in exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package history yesterday. Check it out. It's live now. The 20 burning questions and answers for the 2018 fantasy football season on rotoexperts.com by award winning
0: writer Chris Mitchell. Enter the king at checkout for a special discount. Absolutely. 20 burning questions. Whose ADP will be falling? When should you draft the defense? All the things you need to know. Heading into fantasy football in 2018 to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You got to go on and get the Roto Experts exclusive Edge fantasy football package. You can enter the promo code TheKing at checkout. Uh, Scott, do you make any progress on being able to enter El Rey at checkout?
1: Uh, do that soon. Gotta all wait right, we gotta for, look uh, into that. Gotta wait for somebody who handles
0: that to come back from vacation. Fair enough, fair enough. But I want us to be able to. You uh, know, h- ha-
1: how do you spell? How do you spell L Ray? Gotcha, uh, gotcha. E L R A Y. How? What now, is it?
0: Yeah, uh, put that E in place of the A, and you'll be good to go. Uh, but you know, I want us to be able to. Oh, be, like uh, the L Ray Network, yeah. There you go. Accessible. That's where I watch old for...
1: episodes of the Incredible Hulk. Really,
0: really. Well, yeah. you know, you could be streaming all of these things now, Scotty. You don't have to worry about specific channels. Uh, but I digress. Everybody getting ready to get into the weekend. Remember, you can get the exclusive Edge uh, package. Enter the promo code The King. You could always holler at us during the show at eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. You could also follow us on Twitter at Spittin' Speeds at Scotty X. All right, Scotty, let's get into it. You know, um, here's where I wanted to start. I wanted to start with Alan Robinson today because it looks like he's going to be cleared. He's going to be a quote-unquote full go for training camp, right? And this is uh, one of the indications you got to look for when people are coming back from injury. We talked about Kenneth Dixon coming back earlier in the week. Deshaun Watson's going to be a full go, and I think that is very interesting. Scott, when I look at your wide receiver rankings, in PPR formats, you have Alan Robinson ranked number 22, and I got to tell you something, Scotty, I thought he would have been a little bit higher. I've seen him a little bit higher. You do have him about two or three spots behind the consensus, behind his ADP. Um, For me, health was going to be the issue with AR-15, and if he's healthy and a full go, I think he might be able to be a little bit higher. I mean, Scotty, he, uh, the, 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 what I always say about Allen Robinson is in his history, he had the unique ability to make... Blake Bortles look good. He also had the unique ability to make Christian Hackenberg look good. He has the potential to be a wide receiver the Bears have never had, you know, or haven't had in a very long time, get a thousand yards potentially. And we talk about how the Chicago offense with Matt Nagy coming over from Kansas City, we're trying to make comparisons with Trey Burton to Travis Kelsey, Tariq Cohen to Tyreek Hill, things like that. The Kansas City Chiefs do never had an outside big time ex wide receiver like Allen Robinson, um, I was a little surprised that you had him at 22 like you did. Um, what are your concerns about Allen Robinson maybe even being a high or mid-level wide receiver too? And, uh, you know, what do you expect out of Allen Robinson in this new offense?
1: Well, you're making it sound like I rank him 72 rather than 22. No, no, no. You have him as a back-end wide receiver too. I think it's like 22 or 23. Yeah, I, I think that's fair when you consider, you know, that Allen Robinson – has really not done anything since 2015. You know, 2016 was a disappointment. 2017, he was hurt. Not only do you have to be concerned about health. Look, I admit all the talent was there and everything you say. Okay. But not only is he coming back from an injury, but, you know, he's 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 with a completely new team and a completely new quarterback, so I think there's going to be an adjustment period, not only physically but mentally. So I think I think like a back end wide receiver too. Well, you know, with the pot potential to be a mid range wide receiver too, I, I think I think is fair. You know, I'm not going to put him in the wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two discussion. I just can't feel as comfortable about Alan
0: Robinson as I do with guys ranked ahead of him. I don't think it's an incredibly low rating. Okay, fair enough. Can I ask you, and you may not be able to pull this up right now or anything like that, but I, I guess it was two years ago, Scotty. People were drafting Allen Robinson as a wide receiver. One, you know, like a couple of years ago, well, right he's after coming he, up a fourteen hundred yard, double no, Did I, a touchdown absolutely. season. Absolutely, yeah. I understand. Of that. I understand. Yeah, that. I understand that. So, and then he got hurt, right? And then he got hurt in that, uh, and or had a bad year with Jacksonville. Like what? What changed? Because the player, I mean, there's the health, right, I, and, and, the, and the ACL. But other than that, like, was there – do you, do you think that's a skill issue or do you think it's just an adjustment kind of issue?
1: When he had that bad 2016 season, he was just okay. incredibly inconsistent. Right. It's like defenses were really, like, clamping down on him and, you know, Bortles is not the most accurate guy. Right, you know, my memory's a little my memory's a little fuzzy on it, but I do remember that people just kept popping him into lineup, and he just yeah. was not producing every week. And then last year he got hurt. So you're talking yeah. about a guy who's you know two two plus years removed More from, from his 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 banner season, and it's only been one season out of four as well. So okay. I I can't boost him to say number fifteen. Yeah, I think 22 is very fair when you talk about you. Know, you can't you can't say you don't have any concerns about Alan Robinson, and that's why he is at number 22.
0: All right, fair enough. You know, the way I approached it was that for me, the major concern or the biggest concern was the health, right? And so when I then see the news that he's ready to go, that alleviates one so of where the we, biggest. So where concerns. would you rank
1: him now? Now, now that you know that he's healthy.
0: Sure. Let me look at your ranks. So Let me look at your ranks. You know, I would have Alan Robinson. Um, I would have him ahead of Damaris Thomas, and I would have him. Um, you know, when it look when I look at those Cleveland guys that you have above him, Landry and Gordon. For some reason, yeah. I think like you know, I think that's almost like when you put them right back to back like that, Scott. I think that on some level is like hedging your bet because you know one of them I think will be better than the other, and so I'd say I would take Allen Robinson ahead of whichever Cleveland Brown wide receiver is the second one. <laughs> you know what I mean? If and you who's think the like second one to you. Uh, to me, it depends on the setting. I think Landry is the is the, I think Ma- Landry scores the most points in PPR settings of the Browns wide receivers, and I think Gordon would score more in standard. So in PPR,
1: um, which I default to, right? You're gonna so say in PPR, Landry. I, no,
0: in P no in PPR, I would have Robinson ahead of Gordon, but not ahead of Landry, because I think so Landry basically- would outscore Gordon. So basically, you're saying you'd, you'd
1: rank Allen Robinson about number 18?
0: Yeah, I'd have him. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, so, roughly, I'd have so him about four which spots. are talking value, about let's a dif-
1: different of four spots, it's no, not that you. big of a difference.
0: No, uh, you're, you're right. We're, we're splitting hairs. Yeah. And I mean, at any time, yeah. you know, and, and that's something that's important, Scott. Let's talk about that for a hot second. You know, when we talk about rankings, you know, and that's the case, and we say that a lot. Remember, we're like these tight ends, right? How we all expect maybe the gap between, say, tight end 10 Alan and Rob- tight end Hold 15.
1: On. Time out. Sorry. E- I have Allen Robinson number 16 in PPR.
0: Uh, that's not what I'm staring at right now. That's what I'm looking at. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. I will send you a screenshot or something like that. I have I'll you, send you have, one, too. Okay. I, uh, for me, what I'm staring at, you have Juju Smith-Schuster as number 16. And Landry no, seventeen, Gordon eighteen. I'm looking at PPR settings. On. And what's the updated date on this? The one I'm looking at, oh, ah, there's an issue. This, the one I'm staring at, says updated only June 26th, so that's probably old.
1: You're looking at so, a cash. You're looking at a cash version. Mine is updated seven nine.
0: I wonder though, Scotty. I mean, okay, so there's a technical thing. I think that you need we, we have clear to. Figure your, out. I think you need to clear your cookies. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to the premium package that that I'm. You know, it's the same thing. So we will see. So you do, in fact, think then that Allen Robinson is a little bit better than that?
1: Yeah. Okay. I have so a right ahead of Tyreek go. Hill, Golden Tate, Josh Gordon, all the guys you mentioned. Interesting. Uh, all
0: right. So, so in fact, you agree? Right agreed. behind
1: step. Right behind Stephon Diggs, but I I can't rank him higher
0: than I have him for the reasons that I said. Okay, fair enough, but, but that is a difference, um, so that's interesting. Uh, we got to talk about this technological stuff here, Scotty, because I just did it again, and it's weird. It flashed like seven, whatever, and then literally reverted back, so that's interesting. We, I Usually to that when that happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, the tech guys would always t- tell me, "Clear your cache. That's interesting, I mean, but the yeah. thing is like, yeah, whatever. We don't need to talk about the IT of it all right now, but the, the, the fact remains, though. What I'm do basically then-
1: saying is it's,
0: I think it's an issue
1: with your computer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, uh, yeah. I disagree, but that's okay. But what I'm saying is what's interesting is where I thought he should be is actually where you do in fact have him then uh, because you said you're moving him you uh, in this updated one that apparently I cannot see. You, uh, you do have him a little bit higher than 22. You have him more in line with where I did kind of suspect. But the other – what I want to zoom out um, – about this, when we mention Allen Robinson or others, I guess my question for you generally, you know, I hear people say that I hear experts say all the time, Scott, you know, there's going to be this adjustment period, whether it's maybe, you know, Chicago, whether it's a team like San Francisco that we talk about, who have has some adjustments with Jimmy G, Jack McKinnon, and the rest, you know, maybe in Washington, there's an adjustment period, new quarterback, rookie running back, Richardson, you know, those sort of things. When, when people say that, and I know it's got to vary, obviously, Scott, but like, How long is this adjustment period? When people are saying, "Oh, they got to build chemistry together. Oh, they got to adjust to a new scheme. Oh, there's a new quarterback." Like in Minnesota, they've got a new quarterback, but people still have Thielen and Diggs both rated as like high-end wide receiver twos. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, how much, how much does that matter, Scott? Uh,
1: I think it matters as for what the period is. It's not this. You can't put a timetable on it. It's not the same. You know, it's like but what, what, what you're doing basically is saying that, saying that uh, you're saying that there can be an adjustment period that you have to be aware of. You know, for some guys, you know, they might be able to step in and play right away together. But for other guys, it might take several weeks or a half a season. What I'm saying is you have to take that into account when you're doing your rankings.
0: No, absolutely. I just and I'm not I'm not saying this about you, Scott Angle. I just think at some point and at some in some ways like it I feel like it's almost a cop out that people say, like experts say, and they kind of pick and choose when they want to use that as a part of the argument, you know? Like it's a very convenient thing to say, "Oh, well there's going to be an adjustment period when it fits whatever whoever that person is their narrative already on what they project or what they anticipate." Because, you know, there's a lot I of situations I think it's the other like way
1: that. around though because you have to you have to take the factors in the account and then project it. I don't think it's the other way around. Mm,
0: all right. I guess you know, people, it's one of those things people can go to very conveniently, uh, but then I'm trying to be consistent if that's maybe something they, maybe, that maybe, does maybe matter. Maybe they
1: go to it because you know, it's something you have – it's a large factor you have to take into account, not just as a cop-out.
0: All right, so or just let's we'll remember that the next time we talk about a team that maybe does have an adjustment period, but we are higher on them. Let's keep it moving. Though we talked a little bit well, about. Well, where, where's, where's an Robbins.
1: example of that? What's that? Where's an example of that? Uh, I just said Minnesota. Why I is there not an there adjustment wasn't...
0: period for Car Cousins?
1: Oh, well. Never said there was an adjustment period for Kirk right, Cousins. but
0: people still have his wide receiver. But people are still ranking him in like QB seven, right? So why is there an adjustment less of an adjustment period for him than there is, let's say, for Alex Smith, than there is, let's say, for Jimmy G or anybody like that? You know, and again, Scott, I'll tell you I... why.
1: I'll tell you why. And Go ahead. You, because you know, first, you know, Cousins might start off. There's a possibility for two or three games. You might might scuffle, but. With those kind of weapons and everything around him, you know, eventually you feel like he's going to succeed. And you know, he's put up some very good numbers in the past. When you look at when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo's got no real track record compared to Kirk Cousins. And Alex Smith has a track record of being mostly a mediocre quarterback. So that's why you're splitting the difference. You're not just looking. I I think you know, if Kirk Cousins wasn't going an adjustment period, Lord, you might even have him higher than you have him now.
0: I mean, all right. We shall see as we move along. Um, let's keep it moving, though, Scotty. Uh,
1: I want I to go back to something, though, from yesterday. Sorry to interrupt okay. you, though. But, go uh, ahead. I'll just throw I just my wanna, rundown I just wanna, out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, no, I just want to clarify something to get back to you what you want to do. I heard you on the second hour talking with Jake and saying yeah. that, you know, my comments about Lamar Jackson and saying that that's not the kind of guy I wanted to be, Michael Vick. You asked me that question from an NFL perspective. And I heard, Jake, you disagreeing with me, saying from a fantasy perspective, the way you presented the question to me was from a pure NFL perspective. Now, from a pure NFL perspective, I don't want Lamar Jackson to be Michael Vick. From a fantasy perspective, I have no problem with that.
0: I just wanted okay. to make that clear. Okay. Fair enough. I think uh, I was, in fact, asking you the question from both perspectives, and we talked about the answer from both perspectives. Even Kenny in Philly rep- talked about it. You know, uh, he talked about it from an uh, an NFL perspective, talking about how like the the fans would be exciting, something like that. And from a fantasy perspective, I mentioned to you, you were like, "What was he What has he done?" And I mentioned, "Well, he was a first round pick there for a while." And I was mentioning the entire time both the fantasy perspective and the NFL perspective, Scotty. But it's well, all. Good. Maybe,
1: maybe erroneously, you know I was focusing just on the NFL perspective, but you know if it look if if he turns out to be Michael Vick from a fantasy perspective, don't have a problem with that, but from an NFL perspective wouldn't want it.
0: Okay, fair enough. There we go as we keep it moving. More pieces of news out there. Vance Joseph, head coach over there in Denver, says, listen, he's coming out and saying now that the team will use, quote-unquote, two to three main backs. Scotty, you know, we've talked about these timeshares before. A lot of people think that Royce Freeman has a chance to usurp Devontae Booker or leapfrog Devontae Booker in this backfield. I wonder if these comments out of Vance Joseph give you any kind of cause for pause. I know we expect this to be a timeshare anyway. Uh, but if, like, where would you, how, you know, project this a little bit for me. Do you think it's a 60-40 kind of thing? You think Booker is the lead, and then maybe Foreman kind of grows in his share as the season goes along? How do you project this Denver running back room to shake out?
1: Well, it's like when we talked about fantasy baseball with closers. Sometimes you say, okay, you know, who's going to be the guy? And that has to be earned. You know, it's not something that could just be – Straight predicted, but you have to take Freeman over Booker when you look at the fact that how high they drafted Freeman and, you know, the fact that he's he's coming in, you know, with a clean slate here, whereas Booker was a bit of a disappointment last year. You know, I I I don't think you can predict how much of a split it's going to be. That has to be worked out. But, you know, you have to keep it as simple as you're going to draft Freeman first because you believe that he has more of the clean opportunity than Booker does.
0: Okay, so and, – and, and help me out with this, Scott, because sometimes this is another thing I hear, like not, – not necessarily you, but, like, people are saying, like, oh, we have to wait and see it play out. Like, isn't that part of the reason that th- – fans and listeners like listen to the fantasy sports radio network and hear projections and stuff. Cause they want to know, they want to get insight as to, you know, what experts think the timeshare will be. So isn't it kind of like when we say like, Oh, we don't know, like, isn't that, isn't that, our job as experts to kind of predict this, to kind of analyze it, to kind of get early with it. Like anybody can kind of wait and see how it plays out. We're trying to give fans the edge to get ahead of this so that they can kind of predict it accurately, make the right decisions before the rest of their competition. So I like how you say, you know, that, For me, though, like, you didn't just say, oh, we have to wait and see it play out. You said that, but then you also said, Scotty, right now you draft Freeman ahead of Booker, giving actually some kind of a – you're planting a flag somewhere, right? You do think uh, Freeman is the one to go first, right?
1: Yeah, sometimes fantasy players want answers that don't concretely exist. But then it's our job, you know, as the analyst to say, okay, you know, still, though, who would you take? Right. Now I I can't predict, you know, whether it's going to be 60-40 or 66-34, 67-33 mm-hmm. or right. or 50-50. You know, but you know, looking you looking at reading all the tea leaves as the cliche goes, yeah. and I hate to use clichés, but I just did. you know, reading all the tea leaves, it leads me to believe that Freeman's going to be the guy. Because I think they drafted him that high because I don't think they believe that they have that guy in-house. Now, it's sometimes, you know, look, Devontae Booker is not a seasoned veteran, but sometimes teams do that. They'll bring in a young guy, but Mm -hmm. they'll also have the seasoned veteran in case the young guy fails. And I think Denver, to a lesser degree, is doing that. You know, they're protecting themselves with insurance there, and what they're saying publicly is, that the job has to be earned by these running backs. They have to play it out in the preseason training camp and in exhibition games to determine who's going to be the lead back. And it was interesting. I was reading yesterday, everybody's like banking on C.J. Anderson to compliment Christian McCaffrey. I was reading Mm -hmm. yesterday about how you can't count out Cameron Artis Payne out. Some of these things in sports just have to be worked out. But, yeah, we have to take a stand as fantasy experts and say if somebody's
0: going to win out – Who's going to be that guy? And in this case, it's going to be Royce Freeman. Yeah, thanks a lot, Scotty. I like that. <clears throat> I know you maybe don't like the saying, but this idea is people are trusting us to read the tea leaves accurately. You know what I mean? Right. And like, a, a, we we have to acknowledge that it is reading the tea leaves. You know, we only have certain data points at this point in time. It's not like it's week five of the season already. But we are the experts because our reading of the tea leaves sometimes are better than most. And so some of the factors that are involved in that, as you mentioned, Scott, like the organization decided to invest. That's at least draft capital in this kid, Royce Freeman, right? So that's a tea leaf that we're going to read. You know, the other thing is, remember, I would say, I don't know if you agree, Scott, but last year, I believe the Denver Broncos organizationally, like, wanted – Devonte Booker to kind of grab hold of that job over C.J. Anderson, and he kind of was unable to do so. You know what I mean? He never yep. really took hold of that. And to me, that's another tea leaf to read, in my opinion, which may inspire the Broncos to go ahead and spend the draft capital on Freeman. So I'm reading it the same way as you, Scotty. I like Royce the five nine Freeman to take a um, <clears throat> a nickname from our guy Jake Sealy. Let me ask you something else. Let's ask. Let's before, read some we more t- before we go on, though, before we go ahead. on, though.
1: It also compare it to something during the regular season. People ask me, like on the Slack chat channel in the Inclusive Edge Package, mm. when's this guy coming back? When do you right. expect him back? And I can't give an uh, the exact answer because I can't tell different. you how a person heals. I get that. They want an exact date when a guy's is returned. Sometimes the information doesn't exist. So I say, look, expect to play without the guy until further notice.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. And remember, we do always... don't forget about our friends at Inside Injuries, okay, our guy Dr. A, now obviously you can't predict injuries, we don't know, but the same kind of thing, you know, Scott, you, I, our guy, all in kid, we can read those tea leaves, right? And our guy Dr. A, because he is an expert and a professional in the medical field, we trust him to read those tea leaves, right? It's the same kind of thing, but we trust the experts in our field to try to get as accurate of a reading of those tea leaves as possible. Scotty, I'm going to ask you to read some more tea leaves, and it is with the New York Jets wide receiver group. Okay, listen... I'm talking like it's such a mishmash, Scotty. I mean, there's something I think like literally like 13 or 14 wide receivers on their roster right now. Uh, I heard buzz that potentially Robbie Anderson is primed to explode this year. I mean, he fell just shy of 1,000 yards as the wide receiver one for this team last year. But here's the thing. I think there's so many options, Scotty, that I don't think I'd trust any one of these guys and draft them as like a, high, a, a wide out wideout. Three, even, to be quite honest, because we don't know the tea leaves here. I mean, think about it, Scott. You got Robbie Anderson. Right, you got uh, Jermaine Curse, who was decent at times last year. They go out and sign Terrell Pryor. They have Quincy Inunua coming back from injury. That's already four, and that doesn't count any of the kids that they've drafted over the last couple of years. Guys like Chad Hanson and Ardarius Stewart, who they kind of like. They also have guys like Andre Roberts and Lucky Whitehead, who have been fringe NFL players or special teams guys before. That's like eight already, and I think there are more. Scotty, help me read these tea leaves. People are saying Robbie Anderson's going to explode, But this is such a herd that I don't know that there's any value with Robbie Anderson cuz there's uh, a lot of options here. Help me read these tea leaves for the Jets wide receiving core.
1: Well, I think I think you know guys are like struggling to write stuff at this yeah. time of year. Yeah, you know, the beat reporters, to me Robbie Anderson breaking out uh it, that's not not any news. Okay. I think uh I think, you know, we saw signs of it last year, you know, but what else are we going to do with this receiving crew right here? Quincy Anu was going to play in the slot, but I don't think he's going to be fantasy worthy. Jermaine Kurse is, you know, he's a better NFL player always, than he's been a fantasy player. And then you got Terrell Pryor. Maybe they're jumping up the depth chart right now. It's just, you know, draft Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver three with Mm -hmm. upside, uh, a noon one, maybe a guy in the 20 round draft or a best ball, somebody keep your eye on his free agency. And the same with Pryor, who can, you know, if he's healthy, can
0: probably vault ahead this year. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of options there. We're going to have to keep our eye out on that. Last thing I'll say here when we're on the jets, when we only have a, a minute or two until we go to break, Scotty, um, Darrell Rivas announced his retirement, um, I think, a couple of days ago. And I just saw this thing. Remember, we had Rivas Island? You know, a lot of people worried about his holdouts and his contract stuff. But I saw this on Twitter. Check this out, Scott. He had three games against Terrell Owens, three games against Randy Moss, and three games against Calvin Johnson, okay? That's nine games. Those three probable Hall of Fame wide receivers in nine games against them, those three of them combined in nine games, Scotty, for 21 catches and 191 yards in nine games. That's averaging pretty much like three catches for something like 20 yards against them. And in those nine games, those three wide receivers combined for a grand total of two touchdowns. And Darrell Revis had two picks against them, one of them going back the other way to the house. That's what he did against Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. And Calvin Johnson in his career, in my opinion, one of the best cornerbacks I've ever seen outside of Deion Sanders. When we come back, Scotty, I want to get your thoughts on kind of where Darrell Rivas may rank all time in that secondary. And also, who are the era parents? Who are the best cornerbacks in the league right now? Because you got to know about that when your wide receivers face them in fantasy football. We're off and running. Roto experts in the morning, the king and the spitting statistician. Come on right back. loves yeah get it scotty roto experts in the morning right here the Fantasy Sports good. Radio Network. Remember, if you want to join the show, the number to call is 844-843-6879. And remember, we're not doing as much on baseball on DFS. There was the Manny Machado trade. Brad Hand moved to the Cleveland Indians. It's going to be interesting. He's a lefty reliever. They have Andrew Miller coming back very soon. Another stud lefty in that bullpen. Watch out for Cleveland. But I also want to remind you guys, listen. OK, if you still want to win some cash playing DFS baseball, OK, go on over to DailyRodo.com. They got everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash. And remember. Okay, we're done with the the trivia challenge, but you can still go and potentially win two tickets to a two thousand and eighteen World Series game by playing over there at Daily Roto. So find out you know, learn more how you can help the fight against blood cancer, obviously. Okay. Now I say it all the time, when you hit three hundred, you become an all-star in baseball. But three hundred, thirty percent, that is not the rate we need when people can find matching uh, you know, donors when they are struggling with this disease. Okay. So go on over, find out how you can help our partnership with DKMS as we help to fight against blood cancer. Scotty, I was uh, before we went to the break, I was telling you about Darrell Reavis's stats against like three Hall of Fame wide receivers of his generation. Absolutely ridiculous in my opinion that these guys over the course of 9 games caught only 21 balls. That's like just over 2 a game. Had 191 yards combined in 9 games. That's Below 25 yards a game, you know, and uh I'm also reminded of a year where T. Y. Hilton was crushing it, and then in the playoffs, uh Darrell Reeves held him the one catch for one yard. Best cornerback in my lifetime outside of Deion Sanders. Scotty, do you agree?
1: Uh, I think he's certainly in that conversation. Uh yeah. you know, Deion Sanders and him have one thing in common, though, that I think you know you don't especially hear. Mercenary uh, for hire, <laughs> you know. Especially, not just as players, just as pure, pure players. Uh, is that neither one of them were excellent tacklers? It's mm. I remember like Dion didn't contemporary, want to get dirty. Dion's De- contemporary was what Rod Woodson, who was a much better tackler, and uh, you know, Brevis maybe like the best pure mirror cover corner that mm. you ever saw, and. Yeah, D, you know, Gil Brandt, you know, recently ranked them and you know, even though Gil hates my guts, I think uh, you know, I love his work. Um yeah, he he ranked he ranked Deion number 1, Rod Woodson number 2. Uh yeah. I think Charles Woodson has to be in that conversation sure. as well. And then uh and then I think you get to to Richard Sherman, who's probably the, you know, the best pure interceptor that the game has ever seen, you know, reader of quarterbacks. In terms of like he he wasn't he he couldn't shadow guys quite like and he didn't have to like Dion and right. and, and, and that's I, the and knock Darryl against Revis them. but you know he and when when he did have to you know he did the job you know he doesn't have to but you know nobody ever read a quarterback and picked off a pass and created that fear like Richard Sherman and he's a better tackler than Revis who would I rather sure have Sherman or, Sherman or Revis I I'd probably lean towards Revis but. You know, you're talking about, like, my
0: top five right there. Sure. Fair enough. And then, you know, you talk about Richard Sherman. Right now in the NFL, you know, you talk about Sherman. A lot of guys will think people like Patrick Peterson. But those guys even, Sherman, Peterson, those guys, you have to admit, are on the, uh, the back nine, let's say, of their career, right? So I think about other guys that are maybe a little bit younger. And names that come to mind, I always mention when we talk about the Chargers that Casey Hayward was the number one PFF-graded cornerback last year. I think about down in Jacksonville. Not Jalen Ramsey, but the other side, A.J. Bouye, who has been great over the last couple of seasons. I always like my man Rhodes closed up in Minnesota as well, Xavier Rhodes. Who do you think, um, not say the Petersons or Shermans or anybody who have a little bit of uh, age on them, Scotty, but who are some of the no young cornerbacks that maybe some people don't know of, but you need to know because when your wide receivers are facing that team, it's a consideration you need to know. Who are some of those other great corners or secondaries to – uh be be conscious of this year move uh Scotty. I think uh, you can't forget
1: Darius Slay. Sure. Uh, Over know, there in Big Play Slay in Detroit. You can't be. and uh Marshawn Lattimore of yes. the Saints is is Absolutely. somebody else. And Jason you know what's interesting Barrett. Jason Verrett of the Chargers, too.
0: Also of the Chargers. Yeah, Yeah. also of the Chargers. Part of the reason why I really like the Chargers because they're going to have Verrett on one side, Hayward on the other. And don't forget, they also had a couple of other rookies last year. I think Desmond King, who performed well as a rookie. And I like that you bring up Slay and Lattimore because, you know, generally speaking, the layman fan, you know, the casual fan may think – That just generally, oh, the Saints are a bad defense. Oh, the Lions are a bad defense because, like, over the course of the last five to ten years, they were not known as strong defenses. So you may think that's something you can attack with a wide receiver, but do not forget about big play Slay and, of course, Marcus Lattimore, the uh, the first round draft pick of the Saints from last year. Scotty, I talk about how people um, are. We good on that, by the way. We good on cornerbacks.
1: Yeah, I I I think we are, and you know, it's it's great to know uh You know, fantasy-wise, because yeah. you, you want to know when, when your guys are facing. You. For so many years, people would want to sit even, guys like Calvin Johnson, yeah. when they were facing Darryl
0: Revis. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an important consideration, especially in, say, like DFS, right? Because in, in season long, right, let's say you have – let's say your, your wide receiver one is – uh whoever it is, right? Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, whoever it is in season long, you're not sitting these guys, right? Even if they're playing, even if they're playing, uh, you know, the saints and Lattimore is going to be on them. You're not benching those guys in season long, but in DFS, it's very important to know that matchup. And to your point about Sherman also, and to know if these guys are guys that quote unquote shadow and follow someone across the field, or if like Richard Sherman, they stay on the right or left side, uh, no matter what, it's just important to note. Um, um, Scotty, yeah, because wonder...
1: you know when when, when you were playing against a guy like Sherman, uh, when guys were playing against, he effectively shut down the entire half of the field. And right, yeah, yeah, Aaron if, Rodgers if didn't even see, look that side. Yeah, if if uh, yeah, excellent point right there because you, you knew if your guy was going to be on that side of the field, you know he probably wasn't going to hit hundred yards that day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely something to consider in the matchup. Now Scotty, people can call us at 844-843-6879 if they want to join the show. Big shout out to our guy Kenny and Philly who's been part of the fabric here of Roto Experts in the morning. But I also I want to I want to put up a poll, Scotty, and I need your help in building it. The way I wanted to ask this poll question was I want to find out who do fans think are the best running back wide receiver combo? In the National Football League, right, and the easy answer is Lev Bell and Antonio Brown, right Scott, you would agree with that
1: Yes, but uh, I'm curious as to why we want to know this fantasy wise with all respect because you don't want to have two of those guys on the same team you don't you wouldn't you wouldn't be happy no. to have
0: Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown both on your roster?
1: No, because you know what if Le'Veon Bell has a huge game. You know, that can cut into Antonio Brown. And then if there's a week that the Steelers scored 13 points, if two of my superstar players are on the same team, well, I'm losing the game. You know, it's it's almost to me like... You know, when you do the quarterback wide receiver hookup thing, you know, which yeah, we the have an exclusive edge fantasy football package. You know, we even saw this with, like, some of the best offenses. What was it, two years ago? Uh, the Packers walked into Buffalo in a fantasy playoff game, and Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson got shut down. So I don't like having two prominent guys from the same team on my fantasy roster.
0: Interesting, and that is definitely kind of a thumb, a rule of thumb, you know, uh do you want to have, do you want to kind of be all in with a certain offense? Because then you kind of rise and fall as that offense goes. And then don't forget also, if you have a lot of people on the same team, the week that that team has a bye, you might be SOL, you know, in terms of what you can do in terms of flexibility with your bench if you have that. Um, loaded up. But Scotty, you know, sometimes we talk about things from the NFL perspective. Sometimes we talk about things from the fantasy perspective. Sometimes we put the fun and functional sports content and sing along with songs and talk about KISS concerts and what we're doing over the weekend. So I still want to get your opinion on these wide receiver running back combos. And if we put Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown aside, I had four options that I thought were intriguing that I'd love to get your thought of on who is this best combo out there. And I say this because I've heard a lot of buzz after after the draft, after all these people talk about Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, how they may form such a fearsome combination, we talk about the old triplets in Dallas with Emmitt Smith and Mike Irvin. Uh, you know, you talk about in Buffalo in the in, in the in the nineties with Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed. How this is an important thing. So I have a couple of options, and I want to see: Do you think any of these combos are better? then Saquon Barkley, and Odell Beckham's potential. And I thought of three to measure up against the Giants. The first one is in Atlanta, where you have Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman. Then we talk about these Chargers with Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. And we also talk about the Arizona Cardinals with David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. Those are the ones that came to mind for me. Scotty, am I missing any of them? And, And do you think those combos are better than the potential new pair in New York with the Giants?
1: Hmm. Julio, the, the problem with the Falcons guys is yeah. they don't score enough touchdowns, and I guess right. you could blame that a lot on Julio, right? Um, yeah, I
0: guess so. He has been underwhelming in the red zone over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, he caught one pass in the red zone last year. Hmm. Uh, two of his other touchdowns – well, he got one touchdown pass in the red zone last year. Johnson and Fitzgerald, you know, that, that's, that they're still very, very effective together, and I, I like I liked the Chargers combination, but <laughs> – I don't think we can measure those kind of guys with Barkley and Beckham because you're talking about two potential superstars there. Uh, to a lesser degree, you have Kareem Hunt and Tyree mm. Hill. Yeah. Uh, you also have Aaron Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. I think is one that that's made, interesting. Uh, that was that was missed out on there. That's and, interesting. Uh, yeah. I out, outside of that though, I can't I can't really think of any other combo. Look, Dalvin Cook and you know the two wide receivers. You'd have to choose which really, Viking. Yeah. That, that's that's not really a combo. There's not really a combo in Green Bay because of the running game. Jamal Williams, so, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of these can really stand up to what potentially Barkley and,
0: uh, and 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 Beckham can be together. Interesting. And then you would. Th- think there's even a gap there to then Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown as the absolute stud combo. But the point that you make, I think, is a good one, Scott. You got to think about this when you, pardon the term, Jake, go all in on a certain team, right? Whether it be this QB wide receiver stack, whether it be multiple people on the same team, you're going to have those issues when and if they get shut down or then certainly on the bye. I'm reminded I did win a league once, Scotty, with two of my wide receivers being Marvin Harris. And Reggie Wayne on the same team, you know, in Indianapolis, um, I have won a league like that. But, you you, you know, you just got to you just can't get caught in one uh, in uh, one week, you know, where you start to wind up getting uh, banged up. All right, Scotty, I want to ask you moving on. Um, I see your Scotty Fishbowl draft <clears throat> is moving onward towards its conclusion. And this is a draft we've talked about a little bit before. Scotty Fishbowl doing like nine hundred teams for goodness sakes in different leagues and conferences, that sort of thing. But we've you know we've been lighthearted about this already. Scott, you um you drafted LaShawn McCoy in the fourth round of this, you know right. kind of hours or a day before some of the news came out with them. And then, you know, kind of you were snake bitten once again, potentially, although we don't know how much of an issue this is even going to be because the NFL is so inconsistent with their discipline policies. But you also then got Ricky Seals-Jones in the ninth round. Now, here's what I want to ask you about this draft, Scott. And this is not about, like, we joked about the Ricky Seals-Jones and the auction thing back with Corey and stuff. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm going to ask you is, though, generally – In this draft, Ricky Seals-Jones for you, he's the guy you liked, but he was the 14th tight end off the board, okay? So you waited, 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 waited on tight end. Talk to me a little bit about your general thinking, why you decided to wait. And not the fact that it was Ricky Seals Jones, but the fact that you the first tight end you got was the fourteenth tight end on the board. Take me a little bit inside your mind as you were letting the draft come to you. How did you uh think about this here? That that's the biggest
1: thing, you know, letting the draft come to you, which is what I did. And I just look the tight ends get get extra scoring here. Okay. But, you know, I felt like you know, Seals-Jones was a value I could have waited on. And, you know, I kind of evaluated on a round-to-round basis what tight ends are left because everybody's going for tight ends. That leads some other running backs and wide receivers that I really like on the board that I can't pass on. And especially, you know, when, when McCoy got the news came out, I kind of had to make an adjustment right. in my draft strategy and go a little bit heavier running back in the middle rounds than I wanted to.
0: Yeah, and you went – and you did do that, right? Getting Ronald Jones in the yeah. fifth round, it's Royce the Freeman. The a slow draft, you know? Who we've discussed, right? So and, – and I think one thing you said in that explanation I think is really interesting. I want to drill down a little bit more on, Scott. You said like kind of – correct me if I'm wrong, but you said like round to round when you're making a pick, one of the pieces of calculus that you're doing is like how many of the tight ends are still left, right? Because right. at some point, you know – uh there's only going to be one left for you. Let's say in your tier, right? Of your acceptable people, right? Whoever, whoever that is for you, you're going to be like, ah, there's still four guys that I could still get and be comfortable with. So I'm not going to do it this round. Then you wait the next round and you're like, there's still four guys I'd be comfortable with. So I'm not going to do it this round. Then the next round comes and you're like, uh oh, now there's only two that I'd be comfortable with. Maybe I need to pull the trigger. Am I right? Is that the kind of progression of thinking? Is that right?
1: Yeah, and, you know, especially in the slow draft. Yeah. You know, that's why we do our rankings because <laughs> right. I feel like, okay, what tier are we at in wide receiver here? Uh-huh. Where are we at running back? Where are we at tight end? And I just felt like, you know, some of these tight ends that I still like uh, are on the board, but I like the wide receivers and running backs even better. And even though that the tight ends have extra scoring – you know, you can start like up to seven wide receivers mm-hmm. at a time in the Scott Fish Bowl, So, and, you know, I've done very well in the first two years of Scott Fish Bowl. Last year, I won my conference. The year before, I had the most points in the conference. And I did it up by really loading up heavily on wide
0: receivers. Okay, fair enough. So I want to, and, and that's the important part too, right, Scotty? You're saying like the calculus is really how many of whatever position it is, are left in that tier, whatever tier you're at, right? And that's where you can, and if there's a lot, that if there's a lot left in that tier that are similar, and and we've said the, we've made this point when we were talking about Alan Robinson a little bit earlier in the show, right? Like we're splitting hairs here, so that's why you have to think of it in terms of tiers, right? And you got to say like, hmm, how many running backs are left in this tier? And if there's a, a lot, you can say verse how many wide receivers are still left in this tier? And if it's like, hmm, this guy who's right there at the top of my draft board at wide receiver is really the last one in this tier, and then there's a big gap to the next one. Meanwhile, at running back or tight end, there's still, like, three or four in that tier that you're comfortable with, it means that the urgency is greater to grab the wide receiver, and so that's what you do in terms of, like, letting the draft come to you. Right, Scotty?
1: Exactly. And, you know, the cool thing about a slow draft is you can take a little bit more time, you know, to weigh these decisions, and the unique thing about it is when news happens during a slow draft, you will have to adjust on the run, and, you know, that's why wrenches got thrown, you know, Sure. In, into the mix with McCoy and Seals-Jones, and I had to adjust my later
0: draft strategies. Right, I hear that. So let's go even further into this because as you went to select your tight end, okay, I'm looking at the seventh round, Scott, right? And right before you, uh, tight ends go back-to-back. Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson, you still decide to go running back, though, because at that moment you were like, nah, there's still – Whatever it was, three, four, five tight ends that, were still, that you're still comfortable with there, right? Then, though, correct me if I'm wrong. If this is a snake draft, though, Scott, then by the time it comes back to you, another three tight ends go off the board. Trey Burton, Delaney Walker, and Jack Doyle. But at that point, you are still comfortable enough with what remains – to go on and draft in that spot Jarvis Landry. And then by the time it comes back around to you, another three tight ends have gone off the board, and then you decide to pull the trigger with Ricky Seals-Jones. And that's where, like, the idea of you talk about these tiers. Another thing I think about with letting the draft come to you is this concept of the runs that get started, right? The tight end run, the quarterback run. Can you talk to me a little bit about when you might anticipate one of those runs and how you get ahead of it as you let the draft come to you?
1: i anticipating it, you really never can okay. you just kind of see it happening ahead of you, hmm. and you know as 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 far as like should you get caught up in that run or not, you know it really depends on how quickly you feel the tears are are dropping off sometimes you can start a run by you saying run. you're like you're in the in the fourth round mm-hmm. and then you're the first guy to pick at a position all of a sudden people will join in and sometimes right that kind of plays into who you are in a draft. You know, it's like you know, like if you if you're a fantasy expert, you know, like say you're Corey Parson and you're in a draft and you're the first one to take a tight end, mm-hmm. people may follow you if they're mainstream players because they think that you know something and right. they're going to follow you. So, but also uh you know, it could really happen in any draft if you're the first person to take something in a position or you become the second and then follow the guy ahead of you. Reinforce you the run. run you, you can start a run like that. The other flip side of the run, though, is is that if a lot of guys are coming off at a certain position, and I've seen this in the early fishball rounds in the past, if quarterbacks are flying off the board, well, that leaves a great wide receiver running back for me, right. and it was the flip side because it was all running backs this year, so I took Aaron Rodgers at number nine, so you can get a real nice pick at another position. If you choose to veer away from the run.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Right. You can zig when other people zag. And by definition, if people are uh, kind of like exhausting that tier at one position, that means you're staying at the same point in the tier in these other positions. And it could wind up getting some value. Scotty, uh, any other – any other kind of thoughts you have here from this Scotty Fishbowl League that's happening right now? I mean, as you mentioned, it's almost done. We're, you guys are in your division, at least, you're up to round I think 21. It looks like uh, yeah. It looks like Terrell Pryor was the last guy off the board. So let me ask you this: in, in late rounds, in the very end of rounds, you know, I asked Jake yesterday, and he towards his late rounds were drafting. He was drafting a lot of handcuffs. He has guys like Austin Eckler, James Connor, Deontay Foreman. I think he went like three out of four picks towards the end. What are the kinds of things you're looking for at the tail end of draft? Are you like putting putting emphasis on maybe... Younger guys, rookies who have upside and maybe can pop and outperform their ADP. Are you definitely looking to maybe handcuff your uh, your studs? What are you doing at the end of drafts? Like when are you looking to get the defense, kicker, that sort of thing? What's your approach as you let the draft come to you? But what's your approach kind of in the ends of these drafts, say rounds 18 and beyond when you're filling out your bench?
1: Well, there is no defense and kicker in the fishbowl, but if okay. you're going but to generally- play the twenty twenty-two 22 round with the – With a defense, you might have to grab, you know, two of each or at least two defenses. And I don't don't know if I'd necessarily go defense next to last round because, you know, sometimes those sleeper deep sleepers you want can still be Mm -hmm. available. So maybe maybe three rounds away from the back or so, uh, you know, I'll grab that defense. Always lead the kicker until last because trends become more apparent in season. You can always pick up somebody off the waiver wire but you know this particular draft you know it's just are there very deep sleepers that are left are there guys who may be able to be decent contributors that are still left on the board uh you know I took AJ McCarron as my fourth quarterback because it's a two quarterback league Mm -hmm. and you know if McCarron is decent I can I can use him in a bye week Uh, what Jake did with handcuffs is fine, but I was finding in the late rounds that there really weren't a lot of handcuffs that I could use. They might have been gone. I didn't like them, so I went for like a Bilal Powell type, like mm-hmm. very late. Uh, LeGarrett Blunt, which was not so late, but I think that was more like in the, the 14th round, round, but I, I felt like he had a role. Uh, yeah. You know, very late, like a sleeper like Dante Moncrief, even though I already had Marquise Lee. And then knowing that tight end was very. Uh, with you know, the extra scoring for tight end, the fish ball. You know, you look for guys that are maybe less heralded sleepers, like a Jake Butt, and then you take him.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, you know, when we were talking about the Jets before, there were also a little bit of news and notes about the Jets' tight end position. Listen, second-year guy Jordan Leggett out of Clemson coming off a knee injury. Also, the Jets drafted in the fourth round this year, uh, Herndon out of Miami. They're looking to replace the targets out of Austin Safarian Jenkins, the Rastafari, King Ali Salasi, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who moved on Russell. to Jacksonville. Yeah, now remember, in previous offensive schemes that the Jets have had, they really didn't utilize the tight end. Now Jeremy Bates is bringing more of a West Coast look where they will use the tight end. Do you think when you're talking about these less heralded guys, uh, any opportunity there in the Jets with these young tight ends, Herndon or Leggett? Do you uh, do you have any insight on either of these guys uh, for the JETS, 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 Scotty?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Herndon, well, remedial spelling exercises in the stands for Jet fans once again. Uh, but, you know, Herndon's going to be more of a blocker, legged because he'd be a receiver. But you know, to tight end, we all know it, we all say it as fantasy analysts, and it's true. You know, there's such a learning curve. It, you know, Leggett really didn't have a first right. season yet, so I really can't see them making anything of a fantasy impact. It's more of a thing where you know you'll be at a Jet game yourself and you'll see Leggett catch like maybe a touchdown in the fourth quarter and say that kid has a future, but you know, he, he he's not really going to make anything of a fantasy impact here yet.
0: Okay, fair. Fair enough. I just think with the Jets, I mean the running back room with Crowell and Powell and McGuire at the wide receiver room. We talked about all the different options there. At tight end, a lot of different options. Well, not a lot, but unclear unclear where it's going to go there. And at the quarterback position, also listen, McCown. When will he pass the baton to Sam Darnold, and or does Teddy Bridgewater show up? So a lot of questions there about the Jets. And if you think that you can accurately, as we as Scotty and I say, read the the tea leaves, you may, in fact, get a little bit of value. Last thing I want to sell with you real quick, Scotty, one of my, f- my followers on Twitter, at Mike Husky, I want to give him a big shout out. He's got a team name. I know Mike, yes. Yeah, that he gave me for uh, consideration. He Knee, K-N-E-E, grow, G R O. G-R-O-W, Skills. And so his full team name is Negro Skills together. How does that stack up against, uh, you know, Patty yeah, Holmes and some of the other ones we talked about?
1: Yeah, that's, We don't like that, that one as much. We can that, say that, we've that, 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 that gets eliminated on
0: problematic
1: practice. Yeah. Problematic. Problematic. Problematic.
0: Yeah. The problematic light is on. Scotty, I'll see you again on Monday. I'll talk again on Monday. Have a great weekend. And remember, guys, if you have fun team names, send them to us. We're building our top ten. The all-in kid joins the fun. Scotty, have a great weekend. All right, brother man? God gave rock and roll in the exclusive edge package to you. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We up to you win your leagues and win that cash. I'm your host, Dane Martinez, speed spit statistician, and we bring in, as usual here, the number one accuracy ranker, one of the best experts in the business, my guy, the all-in kid, Jake Sealy. Jake, how you feeling? It's a summertime Friday. Feeling good? Got any good plans for the weekend? How you doing, brother man?
2: Yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. All right, let's get on into this. And Jake, we got a big show today, okay? We got some news and notes to get into. We're going to finish off our NFC East previews with the New York Football Giants. I know that's a team that you are a fan of, so we'll we'll have to check your uh, objectivity there, although I know that when you have to have your accurate rankings, you try to be as objective as possible. We're going to get into that, and of course, we're going to keep putting the fun in functional sports radio. Here's what I want to get into with you first, okay? Uh, at, we're, we're on the precipice of camps opening up, right? So, like last week, we heard, hey, Kenneth Dixon's going to be a full go. We're hearing that Deshaun Watson's seems ready to go. I want to ask you about Allen Robinson who is also it looks like going to be a full go for uh the beginning of Bears camp. When I look at your wide receiver ranks, Jake in PPR scoring at least, I see that you have Allen Robinson, it looks like number 16. Okay, I want to say I want to ask this. I mean, Two years ago, this guy was being drafted as a mid-level wide receiver one, right? And I believe that he's probably in a better system now with a better quarterback than he ever was. I mean, this is a guy who has the unique distinction of making Blake Bortles and Christian Hackenberg look decent. Um, you know, we talk about this Matt Nagy offense coming over from Kansas City. Kansas City never had an outside X wide receiver like Allen Robinson. I know you have him as, I believe it was 16 I mentioned if, if, if everything comes up roses and optimistic for him, talk to me about the ceiling for Allen Robinson in this offense, Jake.
2: Well, uh, what you said may be true, but it's not, uh, you can't say that for fantasy purposes. Okay. The fact is Allen Robinson was coming off that season, but the fact is Blake Bortles also threw for 4,400 yards and 35 touchdowns. And garbage it was, time. It, it, but it doesn't matter for fantasy. That's not the, that's, it. It doesn't matter. So, Sure, it's a better offense. Sure, Mitchell Trubisky should be a better quarterback. He's not yet. I mean, let's be honest about that too. I mm-hmm. wrote the article back in January saying he's going to be this year's breakout quarterback. That could definitely not happen. It could right. actually happen, and it could be. It could be this year's Jared Goff is actually what I said. Mm-hmm. There's so everything you said is right in essence, but to say that you know just the fact that he's with Nagy. The fact that the offense should be better, the quarterback should be better. those are things that should be, and those are should be n f l wise you know al Robinson again, coming off an of offense where he was seeing the volume and the percentage is what we enjoyed so much about that we didn 't care it was mm. garbage time that 's the appeal that 's why he's sixteen is because he should in an offense where arguably right now. Your second best option is either Anthony Miller, a rookie, Trey Burton, a tight end who's been a backup to this point of his career, or Taylor Gabriel, who's a slot receiver coming over from the Falcons. So. In essence, part of the reason behind this is I have Allen Robinson for about 23, 24% of the share. That's that's a high percentage. There's only a handful of sure. wide receivers last year that were in the mid 20s. I think only one was even near 27 or 28% last year and I think that was Hopkins, but I have to go back I and double say about check. That we was
0: like Jarvis Landry. <laughs>
2: No, it was, it was actually uh, – Landry was a little bit lower. He, but he's okay. still in the 20s. He's still in the sure. 20s. So all that being said is that's why uh, Allen Robinson could get into the top ten. I don't think he'll get into the elite territory because this – let's be realistic about the Bears as well. Even if Trubisky breaks out, he's not going to throw for 4,500 yards and 32 touchdowns. Like, this, just that's that's not going to be who he is. So you could get ex- extremely excited. But that, was, that probably would, would it take with that kind of a target share – to reach top 10, top 5 levels. So I think 16 could be undercutting them, especially because of the talent. And if we all go back to the draft, I thought he was disrespected. Nobody's paid. You know, I, I've already said this already. The last three years, we've been disrespecting the Penn State wide receivers. It's Alan Robinson. It was Chris Godwin. And this year's Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, they, they produce good wide receivers. Not much else. Uh, defensively, they have some good players, but not much else in
0: offense. So, yeah. Ah, Saquon Barkley might be something, Jake.
2: Uh, yeah. that's the. What was the last Penn State running back before him?
0: Oh, goodness. Could it be all the way back? Could it be all the way back to uh, – well, Larry Johnson was a Penn State guy, wasn't
2: he? Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think that's yeah. – how long I think long that's ago the answer, that right? Now. That's a while back that, yeah, that's, yeah, you're That's, right. what, 15, 20 years ago
0: now? Something like since that. Since he was in like Penn State?
2: That, yeah. I, don't, I don't, say it's like, what,
0: 15, 16 years since he was at Penn State? <sighs> I think it's a little bit less, but yeah. No, I'm uh, going to look right now. All right, but he was like, he was like that number one stud – uh, was he on the Chiefs as the stud before or after Priest Holmes? Because I feel like he was the stud after Priest Holmes, which for me would move it up more towards like was, the mid or late. That office. was
2: at that was when they were mixing in and going back. Like it was just the next one up was always amazing right. there.
0: Right. Yeah. They had they did have a string of dudes there. Like I think it boom went,
2: boom. Yeah, fifteen got? yards. NFL draft two thousand three or fifteen yards. Fifteen years. Tells you. Okay, two thousand
0: three was when he was drafted. Right. Okay, so he yeah. was at Penn State. It was fifteen years ago, but longer no. than
2: that. Yeah, Uh, but Jake,
0: think about that. No, 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 no. Hold on. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. ahead.
2: Give give her respect for nailing that.
0: No, no, no. That was decent. You, you, I'll decent. give you that. That was decent.
2: Not decent. I said 15, and he was at long and so I, long. Not decent. I nailed that. You said it was shorter.
0: I nailed yeah, it on the head. I also nailed New Edition yesterday, though, in the late 80s. And, you you know, hey. But anyway. P- people aren't
2: listening to us for New Edition.
0: <laughs> Fair. I, that's what I said. You were like, nah, nah, nah. Let's talk R&B. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. Let's talk fantasy football. Go ahead, though. Alan Robinson, what were you saying? No, that was it. That was the end of the story. All right, fair enough. But that's the thing, and, and you made a great point that I was thinking about. Think about that string of Kansas City Chiefs running backs they had. They, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, they went from Priest Holmes to Larry Johnson, then maybe to Jamal Charles. So, like, what is that? What is that, like, 10 years of literally, like, top five RB production uh, yeah, for the I'm Kansas pretty- City Chiefs? Like I that's think a nice little something
2: around that. I'm, I'm that's a nice little it.
0: stretch, you know. Unless there was someone in between Larry Johnson and Jamal Charles that was kind of nondescript.
2: I kind but of feel like there was somebody else in the mix, but there it there might have
0: been. But I mean, like that's you know that's enjoying this, a pretty good stretch. This is the, the
2: power of the Google machine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, GTS. Can do, I know. As you're doing that, bring that up. I wanted to ask you another question, that's, Jake. So
2: that's the no, that's the exact order. Larry Johnson, Jamal. Larry Johnson from 2003 to 2009. Priest Holmes yeah. from 2001 to 2007. So, they, oh, they did, like I said, they did overlap.
0: Yeah. And then, there was,
2: so, I, and then Jamal Charles jumped in at 2008. So, they all overlapped each other. So, it was consistently they just had the next man
0: up. Do I get credit for that one, Jake?
2: No, uh, you had it out of order, though.
0: Yeah. All right. I I was saying they enjoyed an incredible like 12 year stretch of production at running back. But I digress. All right. Jakey, Jakey, we have talked about this Jets wide receiver room for a long time. You know how many options there are. One of the pieces of news I saw yesterday, Jake, is that a lot of people are priming maybe Robbie Anderson to, quote unquote, break out. And I don't know that that's a a smart move, Jake, because listen. All right. Hold on. Time out. Robbie
2: Anderson. Time out. I, I do yeah. want to throw this in here uh, because the fact is, what did you say, 12 years?
0: Oh, you're talking about we're back to Kansas yeah. City running backs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, about that. It's
2: a, it's of about those like,
0: 15, you know, because if we said yeah, it was a 15-year, I'm saying 12 because to me,
2: it's about 9 or 10.
0: Okay, Jake, finding ways to give me less credit,
2: I appreciate <laughs> I just like, want to agree. <laughs>
0: yeah, Robbie
2: Anderson, go ahead. Robbie Anderson. It's a
0: casual Friday here on Roto Experts in the Morning where we put the fun in Functional Sports Radio. And by the way, if you want to join the fun, the number to call is 844-843-6879. But on to Robbie Anderson, Jake. Um, People are saying that he might be the guy to, you know, explode or break out. But, Jake, we have talked about this a lot. When there are so many of these options, I call them the fantasy herd, you know, uh. The value is really on trying to find the guy who's being undervalued, and that is not going to be Robbie Anderson. I'm seeing Robbie Anderson, you know, uh, I'm trying to find him in your ranks, Jake. I know you have him, I believe, as a wide receiver. Uh, well, you have him as 34 uh, in PPR formats, a little bit higher than others. Um, <sighs> I would say, though, Jake, that maybe the, the value is on trying to predict who the other guy is going to be, whether that's the Terrell Pryor, the Quincy Inunua, the Jermaine Curse. I don't think there's much value in Robbie Anderson. But do me a favor. Try and help me read these tea leaves for the Jets wide receiver room. How do you approach it?
2: No, I don't think there's value in trying to figure it out. No? I, no, because who's the number two? Who cares who the number two is? There weren't weeks to be where J- Jermaine
0: Curse was viable last year.
2: Yeah, and you're going to try and tell me what weeks those are? I'm not plugging that guy in my lineup every single week to try and make sure I get him, and then I'm also not going to try and plug the guy in when those are going to happen, because it's, like you said, it's going to be Jermaine Kearse as the number two, Quincy Anua is going to be the slot, and go back to his hybrid, slot-hybrid tight end role that he's always been, which is valuable, but I'm not plugging either one of those guys in my lineup. I will draft Robbie Anderson if he's there as my wide receiver four. Wide receiver three is where I have him finished, but it's the same thing when you go back to the Deshaun Jacksons, the Torrey Smiths, and all those of the mm. world is, their finish is going to be better than their consistency. Now, Robbie Anderson is more consistent than those guys, but he is a big play option, and he's going to have a wide receiver three finish with a wide receiver four production, if people understand what I'm saying. I say that about a lot of players every single year. Is Yes, their right. value at the end of the season, you're going to be like, oh, look, I had a blankety-blank wide receiver. The, the week-to-week consistency is sure. going to frustrate you at times, and that's where it comes to roster construction. So Robbie Anderson, I don't want as my wide receiver three. So I actually haven't ended up with a lot of Robbie Anderson. I think I only have him like one or two places. I have zero of a new uh, curse because when I get to that point, I don't want them. I, I I don't want the Jets offense wide receivers. It's just the fact that if one of them was going to consistently always be the number two and always on the field and, you know, that I could maybe see if we knew it was we could curse, but I think Carson and Nua are going to be flipping around just like the Seahawks, you know, because mm-hmm. one is a slot and hybrid and one is the outside guy. When you're in two wide receivers, that doesn't always mean that you have two outside guys. Sometimes right. you have a slot and a wideout, sometimes you have two wide. Sometimes you run that little hybrid offense where nobody's lined up out wide. So it just, I, I don't, that's why I don't really. And then again, we're going back to the fact that it's, it's either Josh McCown or a rookie in Sam Darnold.
0: Fair enough. I'm holding out hope that Teddy Bridgewater can blow everyone away also, but we'll, we shall see about 2009, that. 2009, we can
2: talk about it. 19, <laughs> I, 19,
0: I mean. Right, 2019, potentially. We'll see. Um, to your point, though, Jake, and, and and I'd love for us to spend just a little bit more time on that concept that you mentioned that, you know, when you look at the back of his card at the end of the year— or on that screen, he'll have wide receiver three numbers, but you view him as like wide receiver four production. And that's part of it because of that whack-a-mole, right, that week-to-week. Yeah, he may, at the end of the season, have that, but you don't know which weeks it's going to be, and sometimes he pops off, he's going to be on your bench, and sometimes, you know, that sort of thing. And is that kind of what you're getting into, that that level of frustration and the lack of consistency is what pushes him down? And if that's the case, Jake, can you talk to me a little bit more about like floor and upside, um, you said at the wide receiver three, is that the level where you're kind of looking for a more safe floor? And at what points of your roster might you be looking for more upside or potential? Because I've heard things like that about your first round pick also, right? You want to draft the, the stable, safe, uh, kind of safe stud that you could rely on week to week. Where are those places in the draft where you may be more likely or on your roster construction where you may be more likely to take a gamble on some upside, Jake? Because it sounds like wide it, receiver it, three is not necessarily that no. place for you.
2: Do. There's nowhere specific because okay. we, now you're going back to what I keep saying. is You can't give a flat answer. There's not, yeah. it's, it's not a, hey, this is what you always do at this type of situation. This is you go out there, and depending on what your roster ends up being constructed – Then you adjust. If you've already taken somebody like Amari Cooper as your number two, or even your number one, and so you don't want to necessarily pair him with Robbie Anderson because now you're going to have volatility every single week with two of your wide receivers. Mm -hmm. If you've gotten the Crabtree as your three and another wide receiver like Crabtree as your two, and you're trying to think of somebody off the top of my like a Marvin Jones, you know something like that. Then you know what? Okay, roll the dice and Robbie Anderson. It really comes down to your roster construction in the first round. No, it's, you know, I have no, I don't care which way you go in the first round. If the best value and the best value is on the board, and is you're going to go with Odell Beckham, who is a little bit volatile, he's also got Eli Manning, who might be toast at this point in his career, is going to be a lot more risky than a Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott or even Kareem Hunt. So it just comes down to where you are in the draft, and then you just have to adjust by what's there.
0: Okay, fair enough. So if I hear you correct, it's not necessarily a specific position or a specific portion of the draft, but what it is is continuously kind of like relative to the rest of the roster that you have on your team. You know what I mean? So like if you have a lot of uh, kind of potential upside guys, then you may need to start think about getting some more stability. If you already in the middle of your draft have a lot of safe or floor guys, then you can take more of a chance to kind of swing for the upside as, and that is part of, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, that's part of letting the draft come to you, understanding the kind of stability or risk of your current roster and balancing it out appropriately. Is that more safe to say, Jake? Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So you mentioned Odell Beckham as part of this. And uh, so we're going to move on, Jake, to our team by team previews. We're finishing up the NFC East with the New York football Giants, a team that, listen, uh, there's a lot of intrigue around uh, on a number of levels. Okay, you know, the return of Odell Beckham. What will Saquon Barkley do? Is Eli Manning toast? Will their offensive line progress at all? Can Evan Ingram back up his rookie season? And that's where I want to start, Jake. You know I've mentioned this before, how Evan Ingram kind of bucked the trend of the rookie tight ends by being successful in year one. I always make the point that Odell Beckham was not on the field. Sterling Shepard was not on the field for some of that time. They lost Brandon Marshall. It was like Evan Ingram or the other option was like Roger Lewis, who I don't want to be disparaging to because we have had him inside Studio 34 during our NFL draft coverage. But those things are not necessarily the case. Odell's going to get his. Saquon's going to get his. Talk to me, Jake, about what you expect. Here's what I want to say, specifically Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, right? Like, Because you know Odell's getting his targets. You know Saquon's going to be a big part of this offense. Who of those two guys do you think is going to (sighs) – I guess, for lack of a better term, sacrifice the most, or see their slice of the pie diminish from, say, the end of last year, where those were like the two most prolific weapons the Giants had. Now you're gonna have Odell and Saquon. Who do you think feels the crunch of the slice of the pie more, Shepard or Evan Ingram?
2: No one. This is no one. Gotta, you think the pie we, grows? Look, well, look at what Eli did last year: 3,400 yards, 19 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. If the pie doesn't get bigger, then everybody's a bust It's got to anyway. get bigger
0: than that, right? If it's not no, bad, Then then it's Buffalo. Then the only two, the
2: only two people that are going to have value are Barkley and Odell Beckham if the pie doesn't get bigger. If Eli Manning is done, if he is down there with Jordy Nelson at the bottom of the ravine after falling off a cliff and hitting every <laughs> right. damn rock on the way down, then it's going to be Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley, and their numbers aren't even probably going to be what people paid for them if that's how right. bad Eli Manning's season is. Let's be real. So the fact is – If Eli Manning bounces back, he doesn't even have to get to the 4,400 yards and 30-plus touchdowns that he did two years in a row. He gets back to 4,100, 4,200, 28 Mm -hmm. touchdowns. Nothing. It's what I said earlier this week and last week. The pie will have gotten bigger. Evan Ingram can get – Less targets, be a little bit more efficient on it, but the targets aren't going to fall off that much where he can put up the same exact numbers he did last year. Sterling Shepard can put up the same exact numbers last year. Maybe he loses a touchdown or two. This team can still produce all four of these guys with value, including a new rookie in Saquon Barkley, and be fine. You know, he also doesn't have the numbers that you're talking about for last year. Is, as you said, it's, those are the people. It's going to be no more Roger Lewis. It's going to be no more Brandon Marshall for the first couple of games until he got hurt. It's going to be no more Tavares King and Khalif Raymond and all those other the rest of the pieces that were making up the numbers that were there.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So it does look like these roles get solidified and they have four legit weapons, which is, you know, better than a lot of teams when you talk about Barkley out of the backfield, the two legit wide receivers, and then obviously the tight end as well. Um, Jake, here's my question for you as it relates to Saquon Barkley. I think I've bounced this off you once before and you you poo pooed my idea. Um, But if you look at Saquon Barkley— Going into the draft, one of the only knocks on him that I saw, the only thing that kind of prevented him from what people think him being like the perfect prospect is that he seems on film to be one of those guys that tries to break every single run for the big one, you know, and and sometimes that'll happen. And that's great. But sometimes it winds up he doing a little bit too much, and it winds up with a negative one carry, right? It's like sometimes he doesn't just accept that the play is blocked for three yards. I'm going to just put my head down and go get those three yards. And that's a dicey game with a, uh, let's just say, less than average offensive line. Now, I know they got late Soldier from the Pats at left tackle. I know they really liked the guard out of UTEP that they drafted, Will Hernandez. But you still got Eric Flowers, who's pretty much a turnstile on the right side. I mean... I know I'm trying to like grasp at hairs here, but does the offensive line plus Saquon Barkley's running style, trying to go all in all the time, could that be an issue for Saquon?
2: Uh, no, I'm not concerned about that at all. The fact is, he was still looking to make every single play, is because he was that good, and he could. Uh, he does not and people are kind of overreacting to that they're trying to like okay. pick out. It's, you know, it's basically people trying to say here's a perfect prospect. What can we find negative about him? Yeah, I said, that I'm sweating hairs. Yeah. No, and I'm not saying – I'm saying everybody. That's just, kind yeah. of how people are looking at this. And, it's, you know, if that's going to be your only issue, I'll take it. I'd rather that be an issue than anything else. And I'd rather him be looking for the big plays because sometimes you're probably going to need to do it on yourself because they, it, is, it is an imperfect line. It is one with questions. So, no, I'm not – I don't think this is going to stop his season from being amazing at all.
0: Okay. Um I, I certainly hope so. I mean the kid is uh was was raised in the Bronx as I am the kid. Uh you know, don't get it twisted. He also, I don't know if you know this, Jake. I don't know if you're a fan of the fight game, but his uncle is a former middleweight champion of the world, Irad Barkley. Uh he was a boxing champion in like the late eighties, early nineties. That's uh Saquon's Saquon's uncle. So, you know, good genes there. You know, and then let me ask you this though, mm, Jake. Okay. I just think it's interesting, you know? I just, <laughs> no, I just... just it's
2: oh, whatever,
0: okay. Plug for the fight game and plug for the Bronx. You know, I told you when we're talking about Big Pun, how impartial the rappers from the Puerto Ricans from the Bronx. You know what I mean? But in any event, we move on. Here's what I want to ask you, though, Jake. And I, I see this a couple times. Like, for example, when people put Big Ben really far, like, kind of as in the mid-teens, let's say, in their rankings. But they have Lev Bell as their number one running back. They have Antonio Brown as their number one wide receiver. It it, it seems confusing to me, right? Because if you think that both of them are going to have so much production, by definition, some of that helps with Big Ben. And so I find the same question. People think Saquon Barkley will be a stud out of the backfield. People think Odell Beckham is a true first-round draft pick. You like Evan Ingram to maybe maintain production, Sterling Shepard, all that stuff. If all of those things are true then how are people ranking Eli Manning in the 20s? Like if all these people are going to get all this production, like the shepherd of this herd is Eli Manning. So talk to me about why Eli Manning then is still ranked in the 20s on so many people, including yourself, if you believe that Barkley's a stud and Beckham's a stud and that there's production to go around for Shepherd and for Ingram, then why doesn't Eli Manning rise in most people's rankings, Jake?
2: Because it's the fact of what the position is nowadays. Okay. Rich Freebark was the one that tweeted out a couple of weeks ago and said, no quarterback in fantasy has ever had a top 14, or top, or what basically it's a running back one, a wide receiver one, a tight end one, all on the same team and hasn't finished as the top 14 quarterback. Uh, well, Eli Manning's 21 for me. Or no, wait, 23. But look at what I have for the projections. 4,126. That's a that's a that's a bounce back season. That's a good that's a really right. good season for Eli Manning compared to last year. But 4,100 to 26 touchdowns doesn't get you Jack squat a touchdown or quarterback anymore. That's that's right. kind of the point. This is to compare it to fancy baseball where we're now saying like fifteen home runs. Who cares? Everybody right. gives me fifteen <laughs> home runs. I need more. Well, the quarterback position is who gives me four thousand yards and twenty five touchdowns? Everybody. I don't need that. Who? What do you? Do you offer rushing ability? Eli Manning does it. nothing running the ball. That's the big, you know, that's a big issue right sure. there. You jump up to Dak Prescott above him who actually has less yardage passing, less touchdowns, but nearly 300 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns more than makes up for that difference and moves him ahead of them because that's where it is. You rushing yards One for 10 versus one for 25 passing touchdowns on the ground, six for rushing versus four for passing. That's just how it comes down to. So Eli Manning is bouncing back as I have him. He has value with those players. All those players are ones at their position. But, you know, again, 4,000 yards and 24, 25 touchdowns is I could go that do that in the NFL type of thing. Not that I could. I'm just saying that's kind of this, this, this <laughs> right. the set
0: The baseline has changed given the fact that we've evolved into such a passing league. You have a greater percentage of you know, NFL quarterbacks hitting what used to be that threshold of, say, 4,000 yards. And you made a great point, Jake, the same kind of thing about, say, where home runs are in Major League Baseball. Right? It used to be a big deal to have, say, a middle infielder be able to hit you 20 home runs. Now, you know, you could, uh, you could almost bunt the ball over the wall 20 times you know with the launch angle and all that good stuff so I hear you that the uh, the overall kind of uh Perception, or the—I think the term is what is it?—someone's uh, window, like Occam's window, or something like that, has been shifted slightly over because what are of you the evolution. About? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, man, you gotta—you you gotta get. These are like um, philosophical theories, but like the entire standard deviations have been shifted a little bit when we talk about the statistics of it all. So that makes, relatively speaking, Eli can bounce back, can get to say 4,200 yards, but that still is not what he used to be um, in the eyes of fantasy. Football. Jake, here's the other question I want to ask you about the Giants, okay? And I, I tried to bounce this off Scott last hour as well. You talked about how, you know, Odell could be a one at his. You him position. about
2: Ackman's window, too, or whatever it was? Uh, I
0: did not. I did not. We did not get into that, but I'll tell you. It's actually Occam's razor and someone else's window. That's...
2: Oh, there it. you go. So, I, okay. I don't remember what it was a reference to. I've heard the term Achman's razor then. Uh, okay.
0: But this other one is someone else's window, some other. But uh, But that's what we're talking about, how, like, <laughs> the view of, like, acceptable responses. Think about this. Who's the that bell peeping curve, in my Jake.
2: window? You know yeah, that one.
0: Right? <laughs> Who's that peeping in my window? Yeah, so there um, you go. But yeah, just think about it in terms of the bell curve, Jake. Like the bell curve has shifted for passing yards in the NFL over the last 10 years. Make sense?
2: Okay. That's, That's fine. Shoot, that
0: shoot. window is like the one standard deviation from the norm on both sides. With, with Ahmed's razor or whatever
2: it was. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So that whole window has shifted. Uh, But I digress. Let's get away from that real quick. Um, Sure. (laughs) What I was going to say is you mentioned that, you know, Saquon is an RB1. You mentioned that Odell is an RB1, right? And the comparison that we've drawn before, I think, with you and me is to Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Now, they may not be at the level of Bell and Brown, but here's my question for you, Jake, and we may have to discuss this a little bit more when we come back, but if I – Acknowledge that Lev Bell and Antonio Brown are the number one running back wide receiver combo in the NFL. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to give us that because, you know, they're both like number one overall potential in some people's rankings. My question is, are Saquon and Odell the second best combo in the NFL? And here's some ones to consider, Jake, before we go to break. You know, you talk about Saquon and Odell Beckham. I think about the, the, the guys in Atlanta. Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman. I think about the Chargers, Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. I think about the Cardinals, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. I think about the Saints, Michael Thomas and, you know, your choice, I guess, of Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram. Maybe Minnesota, your choice again of, with Dalvin Cook and then Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs. I wonder if we throw away Lev Bell and Antonio Brown. Are Saquon and Odell the best running back wide receiver tandem in the NFL, or is it one of the other ones that I mentioned, or something else, Jake? What do you think?
2: Mm, on paper, they are. On paper, uh, this is right. this is you know everything we're projecting. If Saquon Barkley is what we think he is, right? Then ap- absolutely. And funnily enough, I have an article. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be next week. Is the best fantasy trios?
0: Oh, like the triplets, right?
2: Ranking 1 to 32. All 32 teams, the, tri- the trio's the best trio for every team ranked out.
0: And is the trio, just to clarify, Jake, is running back, wide receiver, and QB? Or no. running back, wide receiver, and tight end?
2: No. It's whatever the best trio is. It could be oh, okay. any of the three. It could be so running could back, be wide like, receiver, wide receiver.
0: Got you. So it could be like Cook, Cook, Thielen, and Diggs, for example. It could be. Okay, could be. Well, that's interesting. Definitely check that out in the Roto Edge exclusive Package. We'll be talking a little bit more about fantasy football. It's the All In Kid and the Spitting Statistician off and running here as roto experts in the morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand, or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Yeah. Hey Jake, we were talking about the Fugees a little bit yesterday As we're back here on Roto-Express in the Morning On the Fantasy Sports Radio Network We put the fun in functional sports radio Jake, when you're a teenager in the Bronx And one of your boys, maybe a little bit older, maybe has a car One of the things you do to kill some time is you drive around the Bronx and hang out My boy was named Ralph Hernandez And when this song came out, it was always like Boys, you know you better Watch Ralph. And we used to always say watch Ralph instead of watch out. Uh, just a little bit, bit of insight okay. into uh, Speeds growing up in the BX. I used right? to like
2: the Fugees until I found out about her.
0: Oh, yeah. well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Lauren Hill has uh, done a lot of things. Uh, Let's we'll just put it
2: this here. way. She doesn't like me.
0: Uh yeah, like <laughs> by default she probably likes me more than you, right Jake? <laughs> uh
2: basically everybody else besides me.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But I digress here. We're putting the fun in functional sports radio as we slide into another weekend on the Fantasy Sports Radio network. Jake, we uh one of the things we do here, we break down some of the people you were saying the pie is going to grow and you can worry about take Saquon as an RB1. You can take Odell as a wideout one. Evan Ingram may still be okay because the size of the entire Giants pie will grow. I look at the season one win total, Jake, over at mybookie.ag. And by the way, guys, you need to go on over to mybookie.ag because you need to deposit some funds right now for the football season. But when you do, enter the promo code FNTSY, you'll get a 50% deposit bonus at disca- at, uh, at checkout. Oh, no, excuse me. That's you entering all in, kid. You get a 50% deposit bonus. You get a 50% deposit bonus at mybookie.ag with the promo code FNTSY. I butchered that read. I apologize, my bookie, but I talk about it all the time anyway. And if you go to mybookie.ag, you will see, Jake, that the Giants' season win total is at six and a half. I already told you, I'm staying away from the Eagles over-under. I'm staying away from the Washington football teams over-under. I'm under on the Cowboys. I am over on the New York football Giants at six and a half. To your point, Jake, bounce back from Eli Manning. Maybe the offensive line gets a little bit better. And then look, listen, Jacksonville. When they draft London Fournette, skyrocketing in their win-loss record. Ezekiel Elliott in the top five. The Dallas Cowboys get better. Todd Gurley and the impact he's had on the Rams. I expect Saquon to do the same thing. I mean, the Giants have been toiling with guys like Orleans Darkwa and uh, Shane Vereen, you know, and uh, Wayne Gallman over the last couple of years. And the gap that Saquon Barkley should provide them, I am going over to mybookie.ag, and I'm betting the over on the New York football. Well, Giants at six and a half. What do you say, Jake?
2: Yeah, well, I'm bet. I'm betting the over two If I'm betting, I'm. I'll tell you right now. I'm actually staying away from this one. I, really? Because of, yeah, because the difference between those teams, and when you mentioned about the Giants, is. The Cowboys had a decent defense at the time. The Giants also have a decent defense. But they had an amazing offensive line, and they still had Des Bryant in his prime, which is, okay, Odell Beckham. And they also had good quarterback play. Well, that's a question. Are they going to get good quarterback play? Is their offensive line on the par with the Cowboys? No. no. Is it even a par with the Cowboys offensive line this year, which is not the same offensive line that they had when Ezekiel Elliott was drafted? No. no. They're still, they're, yeah, still at least probably 15 teams away right. from them offensive line-wise. The Jaguars were a piece or two or three away. This is why last year I was saying I don't mind that they're taking Leonard Fournette as early as they are now. I would still never draft a running back real life. I would never spend the draft capital on a running back. I if I was them, I would have looked elsewhere and taken Hunt later and obviously people are going to say that it looks like hindsight 2020, right. but people also know my stuff is known as that I was very high on Hunt from day 1 or even Dalvin Cook in the second round. Sure. The point being, I wouldn't invest that capital, but I understood it because the Jaguars didn't need anything besides a running back, a tight end and a quarterback last it year. They could have been Their that defense, piece to put them over right. the top. So that's where I think it's a little bit different. The Giants definitely need a running back, but don't disparage what Darkwa did last year. Darkwa was actually one of the more productive runners after contact in the all of football last year and averaged over four yards per carry. Gallman, well, Wayne Gallman was always best served as being a complimentary pass catching type of option anyway. Was still before that team. That backfield still had thirteen hundred plus rushing yards, as bad as it was. So all that being said, Saquon Barkley is going to improve this team because you bring a weapon like that, somebody who could get seventeen, eighteen hundred by himself, mm-hmm. and that's and that's not rushing, that's total combined. That's good. Yeah. yeah, and then you have Odell Beckham, but at the same time. It's Odell Beckham, it's Saquon Barkley, it's Ingram and Shepard, but it, it hinges a lot on what is left with Eli Manning. And then if you look at the defense, the secondary, you start with questions as soon as you get to the second corner and Eli Apple, is his problems going to be fixed?
0: Is, is he getting out of his own <laughs> Which head? Which problems exactly, Jake?
2: Which well, problems? And, you know, you and then
0: about? that's the thing. No,
2: but, I mean, that's the thing. And then they drafted that Beal kid from Western Michigan. They gave him a four-year contract immediately. They obviously had draft, this as yeah. plans. But, see, they had that as plans because – Look at the corners after Eli Apple. It's a bunch of castaways and retreads. And so uh, you know, William Gay is potentially their number three corner. And then you look at the linebackers, which have been ignored for this team forever. They have yeah. draft picks that should start on the defensive line at the linebacker position. They have no pass rush outside of Olivier Vernon, and he fell off last year in the pass rush. like, I, The defense is just not that good for what they need it to be in converting to a 3-4. I don't know that I would – that's what I'm saying. I don't know that I would bet this.
0: All right, so cause for pause. You're right. They their only true pass rusher is Vernon. Remember, they lose JPP and all seven and a half of his fingers. Uh, look, I wouldn't Amazon be surp- I
2: said this about this entire division. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. any of them win in the division. I'd be surprised if any of them, except for the Eagles, finished right. five right. and eleven. Yeah. That's the thing. I can see the Eagles not winning the division just because you, you know, maybe somebody else steps up. And like I said, that wouldn't shock me. I would still put the money on the Eagles to win the division as of today. But mm-hmm. do you tell me the Cowboys, the Redskins, or the Giants you're telling me right now and said, guess what? One of them's finishing 5 and 11. I'd say, okay. I bet you one of which them's one? finishing 5 <laughs> 11. But which one?
0: Right. And it's interesting, Jake, I, you know, I'm going to draw the analogy, uh, an analogy to some other divisions. If you throw the Eagles out, right, and you accept that they are a good NFL team, isn't it kind of similar to like the AFC North, where we believe in the Steelers, but the other three teams could all wind up six and ten? Or what about the AFC East, where we believe in the Patriots, but all other three teams can win five or six games? Isn't it? Uh, do you think that that's a fair kind of comparison? Because I get you, Washington, the Giants and the Cowboys. I don't know who's finishing second, third and fourth in this division.
2: I think those are good comparisons, although the AFC, is a, that's that's a completely different
0: ball game. That's just because the that's gap that. from the back <laughs> yeah. to, the, to the dregs that's, of society. That's the
2: Patriots, and you could have three teams with a top five draft pick.
0: I, You know, but Jake, I kind I mean, of feel the same way about the AFC. I no. kind of feel the same way about the AFC, Jake.
2: No, the, you the know Ravens... I believe it
0: could unravel in Cincy and Baltimore. I think it could completely unravel. I definitely do team.
2: think as well, but they'll switch to Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. That defense is too good to keep him from being five wins. And that... fair
0: enough, fair enough. But Jake yeah. couldn't Cincy like okay, couldn't uh, Cleveland win five? Cincy win six, and Baltimore win six. Like that's definitely within uh you know whoever's window. One of them
2: is <laughs> winning at least seven.
0: All right. I don't know. I don't know because I, I looked then at the AFC South and they're going to beat each other up. But that's, that doesn't contenders. matter. It, you wet. also
2: just said sixes. I'm talking about top five picks. So I'm, okay. I'm telling you, as of today, look, we'll put it right now. We'll put it on the record. July 20th, 2018, the AFC East will have three teams in the top five of the draft next year.
0: Really? I don't think I can go that far. I think one of those three teams will win six games, which it will keep them out of the top five. You so know, they I have think sixth?
2: All right, I'll say top six. There you go. So half I think, half of the top six picks are AFC East teams.
0: Here's what I'll say. Here will be my other side of this, okay, Jake? I'll say that the second-place team in the AFC North will pick after the second-place team in the AFC East. You know what I mean? So, like, let's say it's the whichever of those teams that we think that does poke their head up and gets an— I think whoever pokes their head up they, in they the make AFC it all East—
2: complicated.
0: Well, well, hey, come on. You're the all-in kid. You're with me. You know No,
2: exactly I'm just what saying that make it all complicated. If you <laughs> want to take the other side of the – but you're obviously taking the other side. I said my statement, so we're right. on one side. You're on the other side of the bench So is, I'm, saying, I'm saying that
0: the dregs are half, the AFC North. You're saying the dregs are the AFC East.
2: I'm, well, I'm not even saying the dregs. I'm saying half of the top six picks next year will be AFC East teams.
0: All right. I will take the other side of that one, but we shall see. Jake, um, let me ask you this. Oh, no, no, we, we – I mentioned that. You do believe that, you know, Odell and Barkley could be on paper the second-best squad. We do give you our take on the Giants' season win totals. Here's what I want to say. Jake, you know I'm a Jets fan, so I definitely wanted to get to this. Darrell Revis and Revis Island retired this week, and we didn't have a chance to really talk about this. And here's the way I want to flip it. I saw a stat. I retweeted it on my timeline. Follow me, at Spittin' Speeds. Jake, Darrell Revis had three games in his career against Terrell Owens – three games in his career against Randy Moss, and three games in his career against Megatron, Calvin Johnson, okay? In those nine games combined, Jake, those three guys in nine games combined against Revis for 21 catches, 191 yards. That's, <laughs> Jake, that's like just over two catches and 20-some-odd yards a game for three, uh, two current and one obvious Hall of Fame wide receivers putting up that kind of projection against Darrell Revis. In those nine games, those three wide receivers combined for a grand total of two touchdowns, and Darrell Revis had two interceptions. Darrell Revis, this side of Deion Sanders, was the greatest cornerback in my lifetime. Jake, uh, what do you think? Uh, Was Revis like the best you've seen recently at actually shutting down corners, uh, Revis Island, that sort of thing. And then I just want to spin it forward to like who's that guy in today's NFL where you got to worry about if you have a wide receiver and they're playing this team that you really got to worry about it. Like is it Minnesota and Xavier Rhodes? Is it A.J. Bouye? No. Is it Patrick Peterson? No. That sort of no. thing. So first a little bit on Revis. And then who, <laughs> if anybody, are you scared of with your wide receivers? Is it Lattimore? You know, that sort of thing. No. What do you think about the cornerbacks here, Jake? <laughs>
2: Uh, at his peak, he was, uh, but the Grievous? problem was, is he, yeah, at the, uh, he fell off that peak really hard and really yeah. fast. Maybe but, like uh, at the three peak, years, maybe? Uh, I think it was even longer than that. I'd say it was okay. a good, I'd say four. I, I go back and look. I, I don't know. He was a bad. first feel, team All I,
0: Pro. He was a first team All Pro four. I feel times.
2: like it was like four or five. five yeah. Okay, so there you go. I, th- I was going to say, I feel like it's been four or five years that he was at his peak where it was, that, yeah. that, that fear sub. And then he fell off in a big way because he lost a step. And, you know, that's well, what Carter's ACL, it, Jake. <laughs> I, I, he lost a step, didn't he? Uh, yeah, was, yeah. So, anyway, the case being is, yeah, absolutely. You you didn't want to face Darrell Revis, and you mentioned the names against them. There were some people that put up a game or two, but it was rare. And that's the. And then I'm reminded of Ty
0: Hilton, one catch for one yard in the playoffs against him. One yeah, year, two. That's I mean, f- that,
2: that's fair. I mean, do you want to keep going on about him, or do you want to let me answer? The no, question? go ahead.
0: Tell me, tell me who you <laughs> think are the guys maybe now.
2: It's not I, the guys. Like I've already okay. said no to everybody you said there's only one person It's Jalen Ramsey. It's not even a question. Hmm. Jalen Ramsey is top five player in the NFL, not top five corner, not top five defensive player, not the five, wow. top five player in the NFL. If you gave me five people to start a team with, Jalen Ramsey is going to be one of those five. Jalen Ramsey is Darrell Revis in the fact that you do not want to see Jalen Ramsey on your schedule because Jalen Ramsey means You're toast. You're done for the day. And that's what basically Darrell Rivas did, and that's what Jalen Ramsey is doing now. Uh, I was exceptionally high on him coming out, just like a lot of people were. I wanted the Giants to take him. I wanted them to. Did I think he was going to be this good? No. Even as excited and good as I thought he was, I did not think he was going to be this good. Because some people forget, they were joking around. Not joking around. It was kind of tongue in cheek of trying to get him to play two way you know, because of right. how good he was and all his ability. So you remember, people forgot that about him. As people were making that rumor when he came, like, oh, remember? Um, uh sanders as you just said you know maybe we can get him you know it's a couple trick plays maybe we can get him on offense here and there but that's because of how talented he was there are some people i just i think i saw it it was either this week or last week lewis riddick was talking about that he was a little bit off of him he was one of the people that was cooler on him than anybody else but at this point admits that he he did everything he addressed every concern he is as elite as they come so i'm like i said i've I don't see anybody else in the league, honestly, on Jalen Ramsey's tier. I think it's him and then everybody else.
0: Fair enough. And, you know, I will also add this. I, maybe not on his tier, but don't sleep on A.J. Bouye as a, as a top-end corner either. Also in Jacksonville. You know, he had a great season with Houston, then signs in oh, no Jacksonville question. and has backed it up. So I say that to mean, okay, you say Ramsey, and Ramsey and Bouye may be, like, one of the best combos. I know there's a great combo not what in Not one of That is the best. Well, there's a great it, combo. This. I mean, what about, what about say, Verrett and Hayward in the no, Clippers? No. 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 Okay. This, the Clippers. <laughs> Excuse no. me. Right. The Chargers. <laughs> I was like, this is remember it's Los Angeles. The LAC. That, the LAC right. is
2: the Clippers. Yeah. What about that's Minnesota? Rhodes? Rhodes? No. Rhodes I, I, I don't ca- No. The, the answer is no, Dane. This is the All best right. duo. And even the metrics from pro football. This is the best duo in the NFL. If you want to talk about. Lieb? No. No. It's just the fact is, uh, like, so to go back to Ramsey. So it's Ramsey, and then we'll talk about Rose and Boye and Peterson and all those guys are on that next tier together, and it's an elite tier. This is like fantasy football wide receivers. Here's a perfect example. This Mm -hmm. is like the Antonio Brown and then the other ones. Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not that big of a gap. It's just we know Antonio Brown is his own tier. Tier. This is the same thing. It's Jalen Ramsey, and then everybody else is close. They're just on their own tier. And when you're talking about the fact that you have the person in his own tier, this would be like taking Antonio Brown and adding Mike Evans to him because A.J. Boye is on that next tier. So that's why it's the best they do in football.
0: So then talk to me about this, Jake. Talk to me about, like, in season-long, right, in season-long formats, let's say you, you got T.Y. Hilton, and that week when they're playing Jacksonville or other, like, How much does that impact your view of the wide receiver going up against Jacksonville that week? And I mentioned T.Y. Hilton because they're in the same division, right? And, like, you're not sitting T.Y. Hilton from his, like, high-end wide receiver, two, or are you? I guess. So that's my question. Like, how much of an impact does this have? How much are you willing to go on a week-to-week basis? Are you really taking your wide receiver four on your roster and starting him over T.Y. Hilton when they face the Jags? Like, how much of an impact does this have, Jake?
2: It comes out, well, this is why I do projections. It comes down to it. You just got to project out the opportunity there and what will likely be the targets lost and what is Hilton's catch rate and yardage. And so it's, it's a distinct possibility you might be sitting TY Hilton for somebody else that week.
0: Wow. Um, so there you have it. Like that's really how important this is. And is it only Jacksonville, Jake, or do you do this do you also do this uh, with the other guys we were talking about? You know, if it's Peterson or Rhodes or let's say Marshawn Lattimore, are you doing some anything similar if they're facing the Saints? Are you doing anything similar if they're facing the Chargers that no, they would have read? Or is this, it only this, Jacksonville?
2: It may be the Chargers, but that would I it wouldn't be a Hilton. It's only the Jacksonville because you have somebody else that's elite with him on the other side as well. You're you're just not getting away from it.
0: Got you on both sides. So you're going to try to attack, say, Jason Verrett. You're going to try to attack Mike Hughes, Terrence Newman, whoever it is in Minnesota. You're going to try to attack Marcus Peters with the Rams, let's say. Interesting, but definitely something to consider when you think about your wide receivers going into fantasy football. Jake, have a great weekend, man. The number one accuracy ranker in the business. We'll talk again on Monday, continuing to put the fun in Functional Sports Radio. Carton and Friends up next. This has been another edition of Roto Experts in the Morning. Have a great weekend, Jake. We'll